Welcome to the Beach Catholic Podcast with Father Brian Barr. We've got a great show for you today. Today we'll be talking about Lent. Um, I should say welcome back to the Beach Catholic Podcast, Father, because it's been about a year since we recorded one, but I'm going to bring him on right now. We've got Father Brian Barr from St. Mary of the Isle Parish here in Long Beach, New York. How are you, Father? Hey, Lorenz. How are you? Doing well. Great to be uh, great to be back. I can't believe it. it's been a, a whole year. It's been like I knew a it, year. I knew to it was a while. Is that right? Really? Oh wow. <laughs> well, the last episode we did was about Lent. Okay, so um, it's kind of works certainly out in that this we'll time. Be talking about Lent right now. Nice. <laughs> it's great to be back. That's right. So before we get into our discussion, we'll be answering some of your questions as well. Hopefully, at the end of the podcast, uh, if you have a question, you could send in, send it into beachcatholicpodcast at gmail uh, don't forget to check us out on facebook.com slash beach catholic podcast um so like i said last year we had a podcast on lent i actually listened back to it recently uh, i noticed that it may have been preaching to the choir a little bit I, I say that because we covered a lot of lent basics but if you're taking time to listen to well first off me but definitely father brian on a podcast um it's probably stuff you already know so Father, tonight, why don't we take it to the next level? Let's talk about finishing Lent strong. We have a few more weeks left before Holy Week. Um, how are we going to take Lent to the next level as a parishioner who's, like I said, taking time to listen and uh, probably wants to get deeper into their faith? So how do we take Lent to the next level if we already know the basics? Sure. it's a good question. Um, well, I was thinking about, um, well, it begins on Ash Wednesday. We all know that. Um I was thinking this this past Ash Wednesday, I was uh, I guess it was that evening. I was watching uh, TV a little bit. I was watching the news, and uh, it was interesting. A couple of the uh, TV anchors had ashes on their forehead, which was just uh, it was just really interesting. It was interesting to see uh, people in a completely secular environment, very public form. They didn't pull them off the camera. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. It's kind of a, it was impressive to that on a couple of levels, I guess. But just that they were willing to. Uh, kind of communicate who they are. Um, so I think part of uh, with Ash Wednesday, and, that, and again, that's just the beginning. But I think it, I think it's a, it's a good start for this reason. I think it with the ashes, it communicates. I think identity, like it just says something about who we are. When you think about it, you're you're walking around on your forehead with this with this symbol. Um, it was sort of it was just. It was great to see, but it was almost kind of jarring, like seeing, again, these, these people you see every night in front of the camera now on this particular night with with the, the cross on their forehead. Um, probably mentioned this last year that we we went here in Long Beach, uh, we went down to the uh, train station in the morning, the Long Island Railroad, for uh, kind of greeted commuters as they were getting on the train and... Um, did you catch the 5 a.m. crowd? No, it wasn't that. It was more like a 7.30 a.m. It was about five degrees out, though. It was very cold. Um, but what we did was, uh, well, we just, we gave out, we did it again this past, this past Ash Wednesday. Um, but I remember last year was the first year we did it, and uh, it was great. It was just a very good response. People appreciated it. I think the, the public dimension, you know, uh, being out there, not in the church, but being, you know, in a very public place uh again communicating faith was a good thing but i got an email um a couple of weeks after again this is a year ago uh so it was probably toward the end of last lent and this uh guy said that uh he, he identified himself but i didn't i don't i didn't know who he was um oh in fact he told me he wasn't a parishioner he was visiting but he happened to be in long beach that day 
we offered I offered him ashes. I don't even remember this, but I offered him ashes, and he kind of I, I surprised him, and he just said, uh, "No, no, that's okay." And he and he you know went up the steps toward the platform, and then a couple of seconds later, he came back down. He told me, and he said, "Yeah, I'll, I will get them," and uh, and I gave him the ashes. And again, I, I don't even remember that, but he went on to say that as he approached the, after he first said no. He started to think about why he was saying no to the ashes, and it was, I'm not so comfortable all day long at work walking around with this symbol on my forehead. He said in the in this email that what he normally did was on the way home, he'd go to St. Patrick's Cathedral, get the ashes, and then, you know, and then it was for an hour. He'd be kind of public about the whole uh, cross thing. So anyway, he was kind of, he was grateful. Really, the point of the email was, you know, thanks for challenging me because he, he said, come on, this is crazy. What, what, why am I uptight or uncomfortable or embarrassed or whatever the word is about letting people know who I am or this part of who I am? So I just thought that was, first of all, it was nice to, was nice to get that and, and hear that. And I think that some of that, we all feel that to a degree. Like it's, it's comfortable, it's, it's fine to express who you are faith-wise when you're in church or maybe when you're at home, or if you're with equal, equally uh, church-connected, faith-connected people, that's easy. Um, but when you go into the streets, so when you go to work, or when you go to some place where that's not going to be the norm, but you're willing to express it, I just think uh, I think it takes it to another level. And it and and part of it would just be this: like, okay, so I am a, I am a Catholic, I am a Christian. So what does that mean? Um, and it's got to mean more than I'm where I, I got a cross on my head on this one day. Like it's supposed to mean more than that. Um, you know, what I was thinking was maybe even to kind of answer the question to talk a little bit about. You know, we're now uh, more than halfway through Lent. I'm just thinking of some of the some of the gospels we've had since Ash Wednesday, um, or since the the first Sunday of Lent. Um, and they were all, they're all different. They all say important things, which I think are all kind of Lent connected. I mean, the first one and the first Sunday of Lent is always um, Jesus in the desert. Um, well, that makes perfect sense that that would be the first one. Right? Absolutely. You know, the 40 days in the desert, you know, kind of corresponds with our 40 days uh, of Lent, which on a certain real level, not literal, but in a real way, we're supposed to create our own kind of desert experience. What what happened to Jesus in the desert? He encountered the devil. What did that encounter involve? Temptation. He was tempted. He was tempted by the devil. And um, I think you know one big part of what Lent is is this idea of like sacrifice. I'm going to uh, I'm going to offer something up. I'm going to give something up. I'm going to do something different. Um, which will be challenging, which will be tough, and it will be tempting. I will be tempted, probably, if it's significant, to give up on it. <laughs> maybe, right. maybe after the first couple of days or first couple of weeks. So it's so funny because every single year, you know, you've been the pastor here for years now. Every year, it's it's the same thing. But I, but I laugh every time. It's it's more than okay. Now I'm eating Geno's or I'm eating pizza <laughs> this exactly. Friday, right? That's right. That's right. Um, it's more than all right. So I guess I'm not having dessert for 40 days. <laughs> that that kind of thing. Um, so we talked about it last year. You know, you know, what are some things that we can do? Um, but but you're right. It's it's about things that we can sacrifice that'll bring us closer to God. And and I think you're you're right. It'll also 
it'll bring us closer to temptation. You know, if I right. do something that's not easy and I do it in the name of um, sort of making a connection between Christ and the cross and this these six weeks, I'm going to be tempted to bail on it. You know, sometimes we do. Sometimes we don't maintain, you know, whatever it was we um, attempted. Um, but I think one part of Lent should just be this, okay, what are the desert kind of opportunities or occasions I, I, I should pursue? You know, what would be some just good sacrifices I should try to, you know, walk toward, um, you know, not as dramatic or as intense certainly as Jesus and in his desert, but kind of create create our own our own desert uh, opportunities. Um, you know, I think it's I think it's easy for us to do that as humans, um, and as Catholics. I mean, as Catholics, it's a little different, right? Because we're we're not Puritans. We enjoy life, and we think that you know God put us here and God put some of these pleasures in front of us for us to enjoy, right? Uh, on our uh, with our time here. Um, so because of that, we need to be able to enjoy them in moderation. And I think when we go past moderation, um, that's when we get further and further away from God. So, you know, to your point, this is a good time to take those things and put them into moderation or take them out of our lives. But those are the things that are going to tempt us on a daily basis during Lent, for sure. Completely. And I think your your, your prior point about, you know, if we just do a kind of a slick um, substitution, you know, we I'm going to switch out. Something you know, some something I like. Let's say it's a certain kind of food. Okay, I'm going to give that up. But if I just kind of replace that with an alternative food that I do like, well then, yeah, okay, I'm 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 refraining from something I like, but I'm just replacing it. Um, so that's not really. I think we all do that, you know, or at least most of us do that. I think the pizza thing is a great example. Um, on Fridays, um, so I guess part of the point there would be like. Let's 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 make it something that won't be so easy to substitute. That will just be flat out kind of tough. Um, well, do you have any examples? Well, you know, I was just thinking. Just as you, I was just thinking that. Like, what is an example? Uh, you know, I um, a couple of years ago, I I tried, and I well, I was partially successful. I didn't I didn't achieve it the whole uh, season of Lent. Um, but I, I just gave up uh, TV, TV at night. I'm not a big TV guy to begin with, but I kind of like, or I do like at the end of the night when I'm kind of back and just sort of relaxing, just a couple of couple of TV shows or the news that I kind of just like watching. You know, half the time it's more just kind of like a, I'm not even probably even watching half of what's on, but I'm just 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 winding down. And I uh, I said, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna not watch this. Um, in order to pray a little bit more uh, or read more than I than I normally do, two things which I I ought to do be doing more of. Um, and again, I I had some success, but not as much. But at least you know I I made the attempt. But I mean, there was I think that was a um, I think it was a pretty good it was a pretty good example of so just to cut TV out TV out completely. Well, in my case, it was that it was or it was at night. I, I mean, again, I don't even really watch it during the day, but if I happened to be on home and I turn, it was at night. That that's when it was that okay. was when it was difficult. So, well, real question, right? 
was opening day did opening day fall within Lent that year? <laughs> well, yes, but that was during the day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it didn't, didn't apply. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Um, well, I, I'm, I was listening to another Catholic podcast, and he said that during Lent, he made it a point to wake up at 5.30 every morning. Um all throughout Lent. Mm. It, it kind of changed him that he's doing that every single day now from a couple of years ago. Since then, wow. Um, and so I, I was trying to think, you know, what's the point of that? Is you're just changing your sleep habits? It sounds like another diet. But his point to it was it gave him more more time to pray. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, that's awesome. I'd never do it personally. Right, right. <laughs> but that, that, well, what that a was great, awesome. What a great example. And I mean, take that versus, again, you know, I didn't. I gave up ice cream, and you know. And again, I think back to the temptation thing. If I if if I stayed strong and I resisted that for 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 forty days or so, good, good, you know, mission accomplished. But compare that to the five o'clock in the morning guy and what he does, what he's done with that, and the fact that he's continued it. So I mean, that I think whoever he was, like, he's a better man. He's better now because of that Lent and because of what he, you know. The, you know, the desert that he said, all right, I'm, he kind of created, you know, constructed his sort of desert concept. And he said, I'm, I'm going to go into this and man, talk about success. That's, that's a great example. Great example. Better um, man than me. <laughs> yeah. Same here. Same here. Um, so that, that was the first gospel, right? Yeah. Jesus that was the first the one in the desert. I mean, the, the next one was, uh, the transfiguration, you know, and that's, you know, that, Kind of amazing story where Jesus um, singles out Peter, James, and John, and he asks them to go on a go on a walk with them. Really, they go up up this mountain, and in the course of this trek into the mountain, they have this kind of supernatural experience. Um, Old Testament prophets appear, voices from 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 heaven, you know, flashing lights, like this completely uh, kind of otherworldly experience, and they love it. They want to stay. They don't want to leave it. Um, and then Jesus says, "No, we got it. We got to go back down." But I, many people, uh, you know, theologians over the years have you know speculated. Okay, what was that about? And why did he? Why did he do this? And I mean, a common exp- common explanation is it was he just wanted to create a moment, like a moment for for these three apostles uh, to remember, so that. You know, when they went back down the mountain and they went back into the real world and when the real world got kind of nasty and very dangerous um, and very, because of that, tempting to split and maybe, you know, walk away from what Jesus began, they were able to kind of go back, retrieve that memory and say, wait a minute, no, no, this is, this is why I do this. This is why I, you know, there's a great, I'm dating myself here, but there's a great Jackson Brown song, um, the heck is I can't even think of the name of it right now, but it's about. Uh, he talks about he's a, a songwriter, a performer, and he uh, talks about like life on the road. And the whole the whole song is basically like uh, the grind of you know different hotel every night, playing to kind of lame crowds, just being missing home, and the grind of of of, of touring. Um, so you you know you listen to it you're like oh my god the guy hates. The guy hates what he does, but then at the end, he's something to the effect of like, yeah, but when I get out on the stage, you know, and I look out into the, the eyes of people and I and I realize what I'm singing and what I'm saying is connecting with them, I I realize why I do what I do. And that, that kind of gets him through kind of the grunt uh, aspects of, of his, you know, of his profession. Uh, 
and I think the key, the point there is like, you got to remember that. You got to remember why we are who we are and why we commit to the things that we commit to. It's these moments. So they kind of like creating these moments. I'm kind of on this music kick right now, but I'm just, I'm thinking, um, I read, I guess about two years ago, maybe, yeah, I guess two years ago, uh, Bruce Springsteen wrote uh, his autobiography. And uh, he talks about first couple of chapters. He, he titles each chapter. So like one of them in the beginning is on uh, the, um, the house, his house that he grew up in. One of them is um, the church. One of them is uh, the Irish. Bruce is he's Irish and he's Italian. Another chapter is on the Italian. And he talks about his Irish family members, his Italian family members. One of the chapters is called... Um, uh, oh man, what's it called? Hang on, I just forgot what it's called. Uh, <laughs> the Big Bang. That's what it's called. The Big Bang, and what he's um, what he's talking about is was the moment when he realized that he wanted to play the guitar and he wanted to be a rock and roll guy. And you know when it was? Can you guess when it was? It was when uh, he heard Elvis for the first time. Hmm. Um, the Ed Sullivan Show in the, in the late fifties. He's he was like five, I think, or six years old. He was watching it with his mother, and he just said, kind of like literally in that moment or in those moments of watching this guy, he, he just said, I want to do this with my life. Um, so in a way, uh, oh, and then he went out, and his mom, they rented a rented a guitar. They had such little money, um, but got him. his mom got him a guitar, and he, and he started to take lessons. But like that was the big bang. That was the moment that it's, for him sparked it. Um, but the point is just kind of like these moments. So for, uh, you know, clearly the transfiguration was this moment for the, for the three, the three apostles. Um, so, so bring that back. Why, why that gospel during Lent during this time? I mean, you, you could put that gospel throughout the year. I mean, anytime yeah, during question. the year. So what, why, why do you think they would put this gospel on the second Sunday of Lent? Well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I don't. I'm not really sure. I'm, if I had a guess, um, one might be kind of again this idea that like we're I need to prep these guys for tough days ahead. Um, and Lent, you know, as you we get closer and closer to the Passion to Good Friday. I mean, you get really close to really really tough days. So maybe it was that number one, just kind of getting them used to uh, what was gonna not get them used to it, but to kind of strengthen them so that when they were faced with temptation to just to bail they didn't um like this is the reason why right? why we do what we do right um the other could be just it's also i think lent in a you know in a broader sense hey it's a time it's six weeks to just get more god focused uh you can take it away from the specifics you know good friday and holy thursday and, and clearly that's what it leads to Holy Saturday and Easter Sunday, but we could also, on a, on a broader level, just say, yeah, it's like it's like spring training. It's like time just the church that the church gives us each year to to kind of get in shape spiritually. Um, and so, with the transfiguration thing, it's like in these weeks, if I commit myself to some of the things that the church asks of us during Lent, um, I'm just going to get better naming these moments in my life so you know again for bruce it was uh you know it was the ed sullivan show and elvis i think what we need to do is to do with that is okay times in life 
I mean, you've got you've got two little girls. Um, you know, I'm sure there are moments on a on a regular basis when they do things and they say things, and you look at them and you like, you know, like God's presence in them and through them is like screaming. Like they just they're just. How do you not believe in God? when you think of the the love you have for your kids or your wife. Um, oh, one of the screaming moments I remember was the first time we took my older daughter, Lainey. She might have been six or seven months at the time. It was the, it was the first time we took her to the aquarium. Mm-hmm. And I remember that, and I'm like, I get choked up thinking about right. it. Just because it's the first time that I actually saw her amazed. Mm. Like, saw her, like, in awe right. of anything. Oh. Right? And right. Again, it's six or seven months, but she was just staring at a fish tank mm-hmm. of all these colors, all these fish, and, and you say that, that's that's a moment in my mind. It's that, co- it's totally a moment, and what we need to do, and what our, I think, our culture, you see, our culture that we live in today is completely agreeing with. It's gonna say, yeah, like, like that's a commercial right there. You know, that image. Um, so it's just it's beautiful and it's heartwarming, but the the culture would just say, yeah, that's what it is. It's a it's a, a father's love of of his of his little girl, beginning and end of story. What we say is, yeah, it's that, but the source of that, the you know the architect of that is God. So like it's connecting God. I think God moments don't have to be explicitly godly. They don't have to be explicitly religious. But it's it's remembering and taking a step back that uh, that God is wrapped up in that moment so much. That's it. That's right. it. So anyway, I think that's I don't know. That was kind of like my my take on the Transfiguration. Um, what was the next one? It was um, like this one. I think the, the, the third week this this past um, Lent was I think kind of an interesting uh, just the question of like who's God? Who is God? So like we are if tra- you know if, if Transfiguration is you know, recognizing God, well, the next week maybe is, okay, who is this God that we recognize or we see whose fingerprints we recognize in the course of our lives? Um, and that one, you, maybe you remember, it was a kind of an interesting conversation Jesus has with a group of people, and they reference kind of these um, current events, uh, two, two sort of terrible things that happened at that time. One was um, this tower in a place called Siloam, which is in Jerusalem, collapsed and people died. I think it was 17 or 18 people died in this tragedy. And Jesus references it. And then he says, uh, do you think those people died because of some sin they committed? And uh, he's like, well, they didn't. <laughs> like, that's not, God wouldn't do that. God doesn't, like, in other words, do you, do you think those people, God sort of killed those people and because of some terrible thing they may have done? And he's like, no, that's not how God is. God doesn't kill people um he said if you know i think he probably would say something like well if you if you want to know why those people died go talk to the builder the guy who built the tower um maybe he didn't build the tower right and that's why people died um so it's i think it's it the gospel is kind of a he's he's kind of telling us who this god is and who he's not like i think sometimes we learn about god by crossing things off like okay god is not this way sometimes people might think god is 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 you know uh, causing causing death god doesn't cause death um and then a little bit toward the end of that gospel he then does this quick little parable about the uh, the fig tree and you got this sort of fig tree that has not produced and that represents us 
for a couple of years, it's just it's nothing. It's, it's not producing. There's no figs. Um, so the owner comes by and he says, all right, get it, get rid of it. Cut it down. And the gardener kind of intervenes and says, wait a minute. Um, let's just give this one more year. Um, let me work it. Let me let me work not with it, but let me kind of like, you know, do whatever you got to do to make a fig tree uh, fruitful, productive. And, and then he goes, the gardener says, give me the year. And he says, after the year, you know, there's still nothing. Okay, then, then we'll, we'll cut it down. Um, and I think that tells us things about who God is. I mean, one, it says, he doesn't give up on us. Uh, when the owner said, let's be done with it, like chop it down. You know, this the gardener says, no, come on, give it another chance. Give it a chance. We'll, let's work it. But it's not like this endless supply of, of uh, we're going to keep working on you here. Like he does say too, okay, but if it's not at the end of the year, if he, if he doesn't get it together, then then we'll cut it down. So there's also like a clear sense of um, justice. Um, you know, it's not a free pass. It's, this life, it's not, it's not a given that, you know, we all, we're all going to win in the end and that we all, we're all forgiven in the end and we all get to heaven. And this gospel says, sort of like, I'm on your side, I'm rooting for you, I want you to get to heaven and I'm going to, I'm going to be patient, but you got to do part of the work. Like it's, it's not a given. So I don't know. I think even there, we're just, we're getting on that weekend, we're just getting more of it, like a, a, both what God is not, if people have kind of weird or wrong understandings of who God is, he, I think he's correcting it. Um, towers falling on people are not because of, they're not God sent. God didn't go God caused. Um, and sometimes people think that when horrible things happen, they think, yeah, well, God somehow is the reason for this. Um, so it's like what God is not, and then also what God is. He's patient. Um, doesn't want to give up on us, but God is also about justice. So I've heard the analogy before in regards to Lent, of Lent being the reset button essentially every single year. Mm-hmm. Part of me likes that, like likes to think of it that way, because it's like, yep, absolutely, we need to snap back into place during Lent every single year. Part of me doesn't like that analogy because it's like, okay, well, I could mess up the rest of the year and just press the reset button every single year. So... Part of me doesn't like it. Part of me does like it. What would your, what would you say in regards to Lent being the reset button for Catholics? Well, I think yeah, I see what you're saying. I mean, people will often say, um, you know, about the sacrament of, uh, of of penance, reconciliation. A lot of times, people will express frustration with themselves because they'll say, like, man, you know, I I go to, I go to confession cons- regularly and I confess the same things every time I go, and you know, I'm I'm gonna try, but I kind of know that I'm going to be back here confessing the same thing and I get I get the frustration with that but it's not a reason to stop it's not a reason to say all right I'm I'm just I'm, I'm giving up on it um so I think you know it's a little bit of the, that whole fig tree thing like I got to keep working at it um I can't I can't give up on it um I think if I you know if I had to choose one side or the other I think I would err on the side of well you we keep we keep being given chances. I mean, the next the next Sunday, which was uh, this past Sunday, the incredible prodigal prodigal son parable. I mean, that talks about God's endless mercy. And I mentioned at mass on Sunday. You showed a little cartoon before mass too. <laughs> That's right. Right. Where was that cart? Where'd you guys get that cartoon from? I just stole it from offline. But it was a. a I, you know what it is? I I used it. 
down at the Catholic school a couple of days before I had the uh, first graders and second graders and I wanted to I wanted to tell the prodigal son story and uh, I actually had I had a kind of a, a kids version that I was gonna read but it's long and I just thought oh I, I may lose these kids with the reading of it and then I just I kind of looked up on YouTube like uh, yeah prodigal son for kids and this came up and I looked at it it was pretty it was pretty cute and and uh, it told the story like yep. it, it really told it so i just figured uh it's such a great story and such a necessary story yeah we just kind of showed it right before mass so people heard it there kids certainly if there were kids in church they would have kind of like woken up to it i'm sure even more but i think adults did too um but it's about you know what does what does prodigal mean prodigal means um I can't, you know, I, I said over the top. It just mean it means extravagant. It just means, you know, if somebody's. I used to think prodigal meant uh, sinful, and it, and it does because we always associate it with the son who acted in a, in a sinful way. But it's not really necessarily sinful. It's just excessive. It's extravagant. Um, and what's kind of strange, and what I tried to say was, I think. What this parable, it's a parable about God, not really us. Um, I think it's, it's misnamed. We call it the, um, it's the parable of the prodigal son. Well, he was prodigal. He was excessive. He was over the top, the son. He was stupid. He asked for his father's inheritance, which was pretty rude because his father was still alive, and then went crazy with it. You know, it's, it's like the kid who goes away to college, and he just doesn't have the maturity to to be away at school and, you know, by Christmas, you know, he's failing four of his five classes and the fifth one was incomplete and uh, he's going to be back at home the next semester because they tore through $25,000 in tu uh, tuition and there's nothing to show for it. Like the kid just didn't have the ability to kind of be disciplined and uh, the kid was that kid was was prodigal. Um, Man, that, that's oddly specific. I feel like you're thinking of somebody like specifically right now well, when you when you're giving. Well, that it's like, you know, like I'm not talking about me. No, about no, no. <laughs> no, but I think it's I'm not going to ask you. For every, everybody is. knows. <laughs> you know, we all know people who you know. That's the case. Like, wow, all of a sudden he's home. Right. He's he's now going to the you know community college his second semester because. First semester was a train wreck. Um, but, I mean, go, go with that example. So, you know, what do the parents do? I mean, I'm certainly not happy. And, and uh, but I mean, ultimately, you know, they don't, they don't disown the kid. They don't throw the kid out on the street. Um, they're not going to stop loving their kid. And, I, and, that, and it's the, the, the story is, it really ought to be called the parable of the prodigal father because the story is about, this over-the-top extravagant mercy that he showed the father shows to the son and we know the father is God and and we're the son um, and again back to like this like who is God like you know what, what is Lent about well it's, it's about getting clearly getting closer to this God we believe in well who is this God we believe in well we know a lot through his son and parables are fantastic because it's the son telling us stories which uh, describe the nature of the father. Um, so you know when he tells a, when he tells a parable, listen up because it's you know take notes because if we want to know 
as much as we can the way God is. Well, certainly, number one, listen to the Son. And I think these parables really kind of flesh it out. Um, so we've just, we've got this God that is sort of endlessly merciful. Um, and that's a comforting thing to, to know and a smart thing to believe in. Yeah, so... Uh... So again, so let's say we, we have a few more weeks left, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. We we have a few more weeks until Holy Week, right? Last stretch in Lent. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, we're preaching to the choir. If you've made it this far, uh, you know the basics of Lent already. How, how are we finishing strong? How are we taking the last couple of weeks to the next level uh, for us spiritually? Well, I make believe it's, uh, I guess if it's if it's been a good Lent, and it's not, you know, it's not broken. So uh, don't try to fix something that's not broken. Keep keep doing what you're doing. And if it hasn't been, if it, you know, if it had, a, if you started off pretty good and kind of just sort of came apart, um, make believe it's Ash Wednesday. Make believe it's the beginning of uh, beginning of Lent. Even if the last week or the last two weeks, or or even just the, the days of the Triduum, you know, Holy Thursday, Good Friday. You know, Holy Saturday, Easter Sunday, you know, plug it into them. Um, there are people, lots of people who, um, interesting, there are people who go to, faithfully, they go to Mass every Sunday throughout. They wouldn't miss Mass for anything. But for whatever reason, they just never, um, the Triduum, which are those those days prior, or, or at the end of Lent, really, beginning with Holy Thursday and, and when we celebrate the Last Supper and the Eucharist, uh, the priesthood, in a sense, and of course, Good Friday, crucifixion, and then the resurrection. Uh, saying, "Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go to those. I'm going to go to the. I'm going to go to the liturgy on Holy Thursday night. I'm going to do something on Good Friday. I'm going to go to the, the three o'clock service. Um, hey, even if it was, you know, if you're at work and you can't, you can't do that. You know, go. You know, watch, uh, watch the Passion, like on a, on a Friday night, on Good Friday night. But like." Do it seriously. Like, don't don't be sitting there with popcorn and, you know, like it's, you just, you know, you're, you're renting a, you know, Netflix f- Friday night. Like, make this, like, make it up like a prayer experience. Like, whether you're alone or with a group of people, like, I'm just going to, no, 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 no talking in between, turn the phones off, no, no checking texts. Like, just sit there and, man, you watch that movie and how do you not be affected by what happened that day? Um... Anyway, point there is just even in the final days of this season to plug into, go to those liturgies. Holy Thursday is a great one, you know, with the washing of the feet. We kind of reenact the washing of the disciples' feet. Um, very powerful. So if it's uh, if it's going well, keep it, keep keep doing what you're doing. And if it hasn't really been the best Lent ever, well, it's not over. Okay, great. Um, any last words on Lent? Uh, I know that we'd like to uh, do a podcast, you know, once a month. So this might be the last one before Easter. So uh, final words for all the listeners before we uh, before we finish up tonight. Well, maybe go back to that initial point about identity. Um, you know, the uh, with Ash Wednesday, and you know, being willing to um, maybe be more transparent about. Uh, our, our Catholic faith be more—I uh, don't know—maybe public, uh, less less guarded, um, and to test that, like to test that whole 
principal, like the guy, the guy who sent me the email, um, he did come back and he, and he got the ashes and he did wear them all day and he was grateful for it. So I think he, he, you know, he pushed himself to, um, self-identify, uh, in a way that he previously didn't, um, he came out of a, came out of a, a comfort zone, which was a good thing to do. And then maybe that, maybe just to consider that whatever, wherever you are in your life, whether it's your, your work experience or you're a student and you're, you know, you're in a classroom and, uh, you're in a college classroom and everybody in the room is trashing from professor down to every kid in the student in the room is sort of beating up on uh, religion or the, the, the church and kind of mocking it and dismissing it and maybe maybe saying something, you know, maybe kind of pushing back uh, in, in a way that you might not have previously done that. Um, and test it, test it. I think it's like a muscle. The more we, The more we try to pursue these things, I mean, more often than not, I think we come out better and are more confident and, and, and more ourselves. Perfect. As always, giving us a lot to think about and keep praying for us. Um, for the listeners, don't forget you can listen to Weekly Gospels and Father's Homilies by subscribing to the podcast. If you have a question, please send it in to beachcatholicpodcast at gmail.com or connect with us at facebook.com slash Podcast. Rate and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. Feel free to share with your loved ones and look out for future episodes. But until then, God bless.